0: Hey, you. Welcome to episode 209 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for working with this podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, audio episodes like this go out every single Monday, which of course you can stream on Spotify or everywhere else that you can get podcasts on. And we have a super awesome video series, three seasons out, which you can watch on our YouTube channel or on our website. And we also have our tour series. So watch just weave through different cities, gathering amazing African stories. All of these are on our website and YouTube. And the links to all of those are in the show notes. Make sure you join our cozy corner of the internet on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Africa. There's also a link to that in the show notes. If you are an OG member of the family, I've got so much love for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for rocking with this podcast. So I'm super excited about this episode like I always am when, especially when the story featured is by somebody who listens to the podcast or somebody who reached out and wanted to share the podcast. So that's exactly what happened with Captain Washira, whose story is coming up a little later. Listen to this.
1: I black out somewhere during the, the day Frank calls me and he's like, dude, we need to talk. I didn't pick up. Uh, I didn't pick up my phone to, to get back to him about it. So my girlfriend calls me in the evening. I'm at work she's like you and i have a very serious conversation to talk about i don't want this so in the morning i get home and then she's like so who have you been talking to why have you been talking to them frank took beth's phone took screenshots and sent them to my girlfriend then he called her and he asked her are you not giving your man enough <laughs> Are you not giving him enough that he's coming for our girl?
0: That is coming up a little later in this episode but before we get there, here is the song of the week. So I'm really excited about this song because it takes me way back to my first ever radio job. I was working at this station called 1FM and we only played African music and this song, because I was working there around the time like Ice Prince and a lot of Nigerian artists were popping. Ice Prince was like the equivalent of Burner Boy today and I I really loved this particular song by him. Like, I even went and researched. I found out Aboki means friend, I believe, if I'm wrong. <laughs> Please just forgive me and correct me gracefully. <laughs> I really loved the song Aboki by Ice Prince, and it popped up on my headphones the other day, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this has transported me to 2011. <laughs> Actually, 2010. Oh my goodness, yeah. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the song. I have put a link to it in the show notes. So I'm back from Seattle. It was so good to me. It is so beautiful. I loved it there more than New York. Like, truth be told... It's a lot more slow-paced, which is my kind of rhythm. More smiling faces. People are not just rushing to wherever they're rushing to. And it's really beautiful. Like, just so freaking beautiful. As much as I went there during winter, although from people's reactions, it's like it's winter all through. (laughs) It was really cold. Like, zero degrees cold. And at first, I was very concerned about going to a place that cold Because I love the sun. (laughs) I like small clothes. (laughs) But I really did enjoy it. It wasn't bad actually because layering is cool and is also quite fashionable because I enjoy putting clothes and looks together. So I enjoyed it. However, Seattle does have a serious like homelessness or unhoused Issue. Someone who lives there told me it was an issue before, but then they were severely hit by the pandemic, and everything that was a problem before just kind of escalated. I remember taking a walk and seeing so many homeless people, and that day was probably one of the coldest days of my trip there. I wasn't there for long, but it was one of the coldest days. And yeah, I just like my heartbreaking that people in zero degrees homeless outside, and I. Would, uh, I didn't, I didn't really like that. That was really heartbreaking. And then you're just like helpless, you know? <laughs> this is not your country. Eh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's one thing that made me feel a bit sad. But the hotel I was staying in was right near the oldest Thai restaurant in Seattle. And remember last year I was in Thailand and I fell in love with the food. I ate so much chicken. <laughs> and once I discovered that restaurant was close by, like the first night I arrived literally it was raining and I walked in the rain with no umbrella to that Thai restaurant and I had the best orange chicken I've ever had in my life it was worth it oh I'm so hungry thinking about it I was constantly at that restaurant my entire trip there. And I went, obviously, because of my work with the moth and just hosting and storytelling. And the performance was just amazing. It was at the Discovery Gate Center, which is part of the Gates Foundation and it's this exhibition space where they have like fantastic exhibitions happening that are linked to like work in changing the world. We had both a virtual and in-house audience and it was the biggest event they've ever hosted. It was sold out and it was just so great man. I really think storytelling is one of the ways my purpose exists. And I'm pretty privileged to not only do it in my home country, but to be able to travel the world doing this. I really like it. I I really do. I had like a bit of an emotional moment in Seattle where I was just like, is this really my life? Like, this is wonderful. This is such a gentle, charming life I'm intentionally crafting for myself. And so... That made me feel really good. Okay, let's jump into 100 African Stories. So how did I even link up with Captain Washiro, who's our storyteller? Yes, he commented on one of my IG posts. I think it was a post about anxiety... Or something to do with mental wellness. He shared that he was living with a mental condition, and then we took it to DMs because I was like, "Would you want to be on my podcast?" And he was like, "Sure, no problems. The story is so powerful. We ended up recording it for an hour and a half, which is why it has to be in part one and part two. I'm sorry for the many part ones and part twos, but the stories I've been recording of late have been really long, and there's no bits that I want to leave out. So part one and two it is, but um, yeah. I think it's such a powerful story i've been waiting to share it with you so here is part one of a man adhd and his dog a hundred african stories on legally clueless stories from africa
1: so my name is captain Mashiro. i'm from nairobi kenya i don't know if you've ever used one of those old lanterns where the less paraffin you've got in it it gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and then just my life at that point was it was dim kind of so i was doing i was in uni during the day then i was working night shift and i work for the government so you can't not be at work and in this life you can't not be at school so i come out from school this is the beginning of, of the night shift life so I came out from school and went to work and I told my boss, look, I need to balance something. I need to finish school. And I need to work because I'm paying my own school fees. And he was like, so what do you want to do? I'll work night shift. He said, OK, start with this night. So I tried that. And three months down the line, that's a semester after I felt good. But then I felt tired. So I started doing coffee. Then I went from coffee brands from like. Every single coffee brand there is until Ethiopian coffee. That's Buna. And if you know how strong Ethiopian coffee is, it's pretty strong. So imagine having a jug of that at night just to stay awake at work. Mm. And you can't sleep because this is work that is, it's a 24-hour uh, office. So in the morning, I take a motatu back home and then take a boda to school. So the ride to school is just blackout. I don't remember anything. I just remember getting to school. You have class, you have to listen to your lecture, you have to take notes, you have to do assignments, you have to do exams. And then I started noticing that everything just started like mashing up into one. So that was when I was going to three years of night shift. And it became weird because we live in one compound. And like most families in Africa, or most traditions in Africa, You'll have the son staying in a different house from like the age of 13, 14, uh, right after initiation. And that's what we have at home. So everybody stays in their own little house. Now it's a one bedroom. Everybody has their own one bedroom house. And I started noticing that every time my parents leave for work, I'm coming home. Every time I'm leaving for work, they're coming home. And then it grew out where I noticed that when I'm going into town, people are going out of town and the opposite. So people started asking me, like, where are you going? Why are you going there at this time? Why are you still texting at this time? And I, and I just had to tell them, like, I'm going to work. What kind of work are you doing? So I, I still can't talk about which work I was doing, but it started um, confusing me, whereby I start losing friendships, I start losing networks that I had. Uh, in most places, yes, we call ourselves a twin 24-hour economy, but you don't have certain things at night so your routine starts changing that's what you eat your diet starts changing the people you hang out with and the people who hang out with you because you don't only a friendship is not only a one-way thing it's a two-way thing so you can hang out with them but are they really there for you so that's what started now trickling down to a dimness and then uh, my quality of work started going down arguments started going up coffee stopped working so i decided hey why not look into something stronger no drugs or anything um like xanax or, or stuff but i started chilling with guys who, who were chewing mira in Ethiopia. they call it cut some brands in kenya they call it cut but then i started chewing after school until the time that I was needed at work. And you can't chew in the office, because that would be crazy. So weirdly, corona hit. So I come from school. It wasn't so serious. Schools weren't closed then, universities, that is. And I started wondering, what if I just wore a mask and just continued chewing under the mask? And so I did so. So I chew for like, say, an hour or two while I'm at work. But then I got used to smoking cigarettes so much that it was now bothering me. So th- these two things go hand in hand. You can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the jelly. So I'm in the office and I start asking guys, like, do you know where like we can smoke around here? there a smoking zone, Can I smoke in the bathroom. We have smoke detectors everywhere. We have cameras everywhere. So one day a guard told me, by the way, that's, I see you getting out of, of the office. I'm guessing you're going to smoke. I'm like, yeah. Bono, just go to fourth floor. So there's a smoking zone. No way. That's where I started going. And that now built up something else where now I can smoke freely. It didn't work for long. I thought it would. It worked for a bit. It worked until now I was going to clock four years of night shift. So in 2020, December, one of the supervisors, the new supervisor that I had started telling me, Whatever you're doing is not according to a policy of, of the institution. You can't be doing this. You can't be doing night shift. Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? January, Feb. And I went to my boss. I'm like, yo, have you talked to certain certain person? Have you told her that um, we have an agreement? And he was like, yes. But she keeps on bugging me. So he told me that if she ever does that again, tell me. She stopped. But then in June of 21... Uh, 2021 she sent me an email and i'm guessing it's on tuesday uh, during the day and that email was just basically telling me your agreement of night shift is done from tomorrow morning you're starting your eight to five this is after four years of night shift at the same time i was in uni so (laughs) i don't know i don't know what she wanted but that semester i was doing community service and our university like everybody has to do com service So we'd picked out uh, one of the hospitals in in Pangani and we were delivering stuff there. So I'm in the middle of this big project we've invested money in and now she wants to switch up everything. That Wednesday, we were supposed to deliver beds and some other instruments to the hospital. And I didn't go to work in the morning. I was to leave work at uh, night shift. That's Tuesday, Monday morning, leave work, go to school. So I left the office, went mm-hmm. home, thought about it, changed into uh, casual clothes, then left to the hospital mm-hmm. to go and deliver. I'm still being waited for at work. So when I left mm-hmm. the com service um, work, mm-hmm. went to the office, I sat down and then guys started looking at me like, hey, dude, you're late, nee, nee, nee. but I'm late because I had things I'd planned mm-hmm. and I can't miss out because at the end of the com service, the lecturer who's mm-hmm. your lecturer for community service comes to the place and sees the handover. So I'm in the office I'm at my computer and I fell asleep for about like four hours (laughs) So my boss comes and wakes me up He's like, what's wrong? Why are you here? I told him, a certain person told me to come the supervisor. And you agreed. I was like, sir what can I do? It's either that or I get into trouble. He told me go home. So I went home and then that began the tussle between she and I What are you doing? Uh, Why are you not following orders? I'm your supervisor In that moment, that time frame I had domestic issues with my then, can I call her wife, engaged uh, something, girlfriend. We were not understanding each other. She'd quit alcohol, apparently, but she also picked up Mira. So I found out that she was drinking while I'm um, at work, which brought in a problem. And she was a violent alcoholic. Is, I don't know. One thing about the pandemic, and I think a lot of people now know, is that it it caused a lot of disruptions domestic disruptions a lot of people fought with their people a lot of people never thought that it would come to this which is now breakups and fighting and stuff but then a lot of people also discovered good things about their people that hey she actually listens he actually listens he actually like devote more time into doing certain things because the pandemic, during the pandemic, it was just wake up, you have your laptop, you'd probably change like your shirt, put on a sweater, and down you have your, your shorts or your inboxes, and then you guys are just lazing around the house. So she'd be like in one room, I'd be in another room, and it's the same thing for a lot of couples. But then for me, I had uh, the past, what did they used to call us, uh, there's, a, there's a word, special people. With the letters, yeah. So, uh, essential workers, yeah. So, uh, since I was an essential worker, there's no point of me being home. So, one day I came home and the house smelled like of black ice, this fruity, alcoholy taste. So, I asked her, Have you been drinking? She was like, No, okay. I left it there. When I went to the wardrobe, I just moved one piece of clothing and then bottles just came out. Bottles, I was like, No, man. So, she hadn't heard it. So I just put them back, acted like I didn't see anything. Then the second day happened, and the third day happened, and I was just like, no, because I know where this goes. So I snapped, and became angry, and for once I could not control my anger. And that's not violent anger; it's it's such it was driven by disbelief. And I just went out on her and asked her questions, and yeah, we started arguing. What caused the the meltdown. I call it a volcanic eruption. So we, from the beginning, from, from like even before the pandemic, we'd chill together. I wanted us to socialize with other people. So we started chilling with other friends. So there's this one friend of mine, let's call her Beth. Beth and I had been friends. We'd been talking and Beth's boyfriend was introduced to me by another friend. So Frank and Beth were dating and then Ben introduces uh, Frank to me. I find out that he's Beth's girlfriend. I'm like, oh, cool. So to me, since I was already her friend, our communication is normal. But one month down the line, two months down the line, this guy Frank is just like, dude, this is my girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. Then why are you guys talking at like 2- 2 AM, 3 AM? Because she and I chew. So we're awake during that time. Yo, one day, they went. Uh, they were outside Nairobi, and a friend of theirs had invited them to some, some party. Back then, uh, during the pandemic, parties were not legal. So since it was outside Nairobi, not a lot of cops were involved into like, breaking up parties, house parties back then. So she told me, while we were texting, she told me that he's outside with the boys, she's inside with the girls. And we talked until I think around 5 a.m., then I black out. Somewhere during the, the day Frank calls me and he's like, dude, we need to talk. I didn't pick up. Uh, I didn't pick up my phone to, to get back to him about it. So my girlfriend calls me in the evening. I'm at work. She's like, you and I have a very serious conversation to talk about. I don't want this. So in the morning I get home and then she's like, so who have you been talking to? Why have you been talking to them? Frank took Beth's phone took screenshots and sent them to my girlfriend. Then he called her and he asked her, are you not giving your man enough? (laughs) Are you not giving him enough that he's coming for our girl? Is he, like, is this, like, what you guys do in your relationship? Like, you guys just start dating other people while you guys are together. And she started flipping through my phone, showing me screenshots. I'm like, yeah, we talk. Oh, until four in the morning. I'm like, yeah, as in these are the conversations we have so that argument ran for three days none sleep you get awake three good days just arguing back and forth breaking things then my niece on the third day in the morning my niece comes into the house Now she's tall enough to open the door for herself. And this girl, my ex, goes to the kitchen. uh, Lower shelf, she wants to bring out um, some bags so that she can go and pack. And I'm going to stop her. So my niece comes in between us. And while I'm going to reach out my hand to to hold my ex and try and tell her, stop, don't. She pulls out a bag and hits my niece. And my niece falls backwards with her head and starts wailing. I was just like, this is trouble. So... When I'm picking up my niece, I look at my, my ex and I'm, I ask her, like, can't you even stop to tell the kid sorry? And she looks at me, and I've never seen someone with such cold eyes. And she said, why? She's not my kid. And she walks away. Hey, that's when I knew. Yeah. Um, before we settled into, into this house, her mom came over, and we had a sit-down with her parents and my parents. And the agreement between her mom and I was that if she ever does anything... To make you mad before you hit her call me call me and tell me my, your daughter has become too much please take her back and that's what i did i called her mom and i was like mom uh, i'm done i'm done covering up for her so just come for her so i had been told by my mom that like she doesn't think that this is a worthy relationship and i kept on asking her why and the other day, she told me that your girlfriend came to my house drunk. She'd lost her job, too, because they were cutting down jobs. And she was working from home. She found this this company, this online company, legit, actually, uh, transcribing. So my, mo- my mom told me uh, she came to the house. She was drunk. Second time she went to the house, she was drunk. And my mom was like, no. So it it made me feel... It made me realize first that I didn't listen to my parents. I didn't listen to my friends. I didn't listen to me. So now I'm home. My folks are there. She's not around anymore. And my folks are like, okay, since she's not around, why don't you come over and eat with us? And I couldn't eat with them because I couldn't face them. I couldn't I couldn't tell them that, hey, you guys were right, by the way. This girl is mad crazy. Well, I don't like calling people crazy these days, but she'd lost it. And I was sadly trapped in this toxic relationship so my trust towards people stopped I couldn't trust anybody anymore I couldn't I couldn't walk with my head high like I used to I couldn't go to work and be like yeah she cooked this for me because sometimes she'd cook sometimes I'd cook and the routine that I had was that since most restaurants in in town were closed by a certain time which was like 5 pm 6 pm everybody's down i couldn't get dinner so i used to carry food and guys you would would like congratulate me ask me questions so when's the wedding so hey she made you fish today beef and now washira doesn't have any food so people started speculating so now that brought up questions i started getting skinny and skinnier skin here. Mind you, I'm still chewing. So I'd leave school, go chill with my friends, chew until around 7.30, then go to work. No eating. Finish work, go home, go to school. And school is my laptop. Finish class, sleep, wake up, go to work. Like that. Lost what? 20 something, 20 20 something kilos in span of two months. The realization that we need help came by when my folks were in the country. They don't live here. He'd gotten a posting My dad, out of the country. So while I was still trying to find myself, find my routine, get back onto my feet, my dad kept on pressuring me and asking me questions like, hey, what's wrong? Why are you sleeping during the day? Why can't we talk like we usually used to talk? And this is because I am either somewhere stuffing my face with Mira so that I can go to work or I'm coming from work and I just need to black out. So the first real incident that kind of shocked me and shocked him and shocked my sister was when we were outside they were outside the compound that the house and um, they were having they were having tea in the evening it's around 4pm so he called me uh, I was on my way home he calls me and he's like oh, we need to talk so I get home I find, I find him with my sister and then there's an extra chair so I sat down to talk while we're talking it's daytime the sun is out I just black out, and then I—I I just felt someone shaking me. So I woke up startled, and he was like, "Have you seriously just fallen asleep while I'm talking to you? This is an African dad, remember? Yeah? <laughs> so you must—you must have really big uh, kahunas to fall asleep in front of your African father." I'm like, um, "No, I wasn't asleep, but we saw you." So yeah. And that's when i realized okay fine something is not right then he he tells me in november let's go up country try and reset find yourself try and figure out what's wrong so we went nothing changed adele nothing changed when he was out doing he his errands running his errands and i'm home with mom uh i'm a photographer so i'd give my mom an excuse i would be like i'm going to take photos of this and this i'm just going to take photos just something and i'd go for hours on end that time i've gone i bought mirror i discovered something about addiction let me let me pause that something about addiction is if you're addicted to a certain thing you will find it be weed alcohol mirror cigarettes wherever you are you will find it probably just go out of kenya go to some european country and i still bet you can find it because there's a ban of mira uh, to to the uk but i bet you can find it if you look hard enough you'll find it and i found it i was like yes okay now i can buy mira from here and I'd, i was given a car a 4x4 so i'd go to the lake chew my brains out and i used to chew and drink at the same time and i'd come home there's this back door that i used to use and use that door Call my mom and be like mom I don't want anybody to stir me. I am editing photos. I will be done very late. And I know she's not going to stay up. So by the time I am done there, see, this is a whole month of doing this. Apparently, I'm supposed to be finding myself resetting. It's quite poor. So the last day, I have this really big fight with my dad. And the fight was just about, why can't you come out of your room to talk? I couldn't face my dad. I'm like, nah, man. And tell you what? That I'm addicted. Mira. So I come back to Nairobi. And then my dad has this talk with my sister. And then my sister calls me. She's like, come we talk. Kumbe, my dad is there. And then my my sister goes like so, just tell him what you're addicted to. I'm a minta yeah. I'm like, come on. You can't tell me I'm like that. Like I've kept your secret of you smoking weed for all these years. <laughs> and now you want to put me uh, Tell him. I'm like, no, just tell he's addicted to Mira. Ay-yay-yay. Mira, Washira. Mirando inakufanya ukonde. Mirando inakufanya uskuje kwangea na mimi. Kumbe ile siku uli kuja and your eyes are open like this. That is what you are on. There's an, there's an evening he called me and I couldn't close my eyes. My eyes were wide open. And then he asked me. It's like 9 p.m. He's like, ah, yeah, why why are you staring at me? I told him, I'm not staring at you. So Then you close your eyes. I can't close my eyes. Ah, man, so I was like, yeah, fine. I am addicted to Mira. Tangu It's been a while. Like, if you were around, you'd know it's what I told him if you're around you would know is now what I I, I never understood why he told him that but now what I understand is that it's linked to my childhood my dad's been a diplomat all my life we've been moving all my life I have been in boarding school since I was in class two my sister in class three, so there's a lot that my my parents have not known about me because I've been in school, so I kind of summed up my childhood by telling him if you were around, you'd know, and he asked me what do you mean by that and I woke up and left so they flew out in January of twenty twenty one and i went I went berserk, I went nuts, like I was nuts way before I'd not gone to work. December, I'd taken leave. November of 2020, I absconded work. October, I'd absconded work. So when they left in January, I'm like, there's no not want to tell me anything right now. So I didn't go to work for the first two weeks. On well, the third week, I kind of felt guilty, so I went to the office. And my boss asked me, like, where have you been? I told him, hey, things are not good. At that time, I'd not been to the barber in, I think, like, two, three months. My hair was all over the place. And... Hey, he said oh well, ashira you don't look okay so tried working for 2 weeks I'd come late I'd sleep in the office I'd I'd submit my reports late and then when i noticed this just this this habit of not really a habit when i noticed that my my work was dwindling then i just stopped i didn't go to work so i used to take the car go to somewhere by myself and just isolate myself and then that went on till february March and calls cut started coming through from my dad. Why are you not at work? What do you mean? Why am I not? At- like, how do you know I'm not at work? Someone called him from the office. So now my work life has fused into my family life, my personal life. If there's something that I know today is ban- boundaries are important. You've got to set boundaries. Be it between be, it be-, be between your guard at home, the person who opens the gate for you and yourself, boundary. Even in your own mind you've got to set boundaries. So now my dad knows about my work and I can't lie to him. So it, it just started complicating things. So uh, January, February, March, April, May, June comes 2021. I'm just asking myself so many questions. Between June and January of 2021, I'd contemplated suicide more than 11 times, attempted twice. On the third time in June, I came home Mirror in my mouth, bag full of mirror, and I put the bag down. Took my laptop, started listening to music, and smallest,
0: smallest
1: thing made me trip. My headphones—they kind of like yours. They looked kind of like yours, but they were red. I went to get my my headphones because I didn't like disturbing my niece. She was quite young at the time, so I went to the bedroom to get my headphones. And my headphones were broken i have never snapped so easily i just threw them onto the floor went to my laptop opened word then i just typed in dear mom comma space enter enter let's start this letter with anxiety comes a lot of troubles with depression comes a lot i didn't know that you can get sick physically when you're depressed i didn't know you can get sick when you have anxiety And i used to get sick during the year of 2019 2020 2020, 2021 my back used to hurt my shoulder blade i have this this scar this one from an accident back in 2011 that makes my my left side numb and i had a lot of medication i had painkillers antibiotics antihistamines syrups name it i've got it so i went to the medicine cabinet took everything i had and just started popping it out on the kitchen counter, pop everything, 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 put it into one, call it githeri. Now, I looked at them, then I went back to my laptop and started writing the first paragraph, explaining why I'm doing what I'm going to do, or rather I've done what I'm going to do. And while I'm about to conclude the first paragraph of my dear mom letter, I heard my niece cry, and then I paused, I picked up a cigarette, I lit it, and she cried and cried and i put it off Control a backspace went to the the kitchen counter took my dustbin and just put everything all the meds into one put them in the dustbin poured them in the toilet and flushed it i was like no 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 we can't like what is this kid going to think one day as in i'm a visual person so i could imagine like she's 13 and she asks her uncle my small brother so who's this guy in this photo and he says, oh, That was your uncle. What happened to him? He killed himself. Why? We don't know. So, yeah, uh, June kind of became the month where I had so many deliberations of my mind. Mm-hmm. Talked to myself, asked myself. I want this? Why is this working like this? I just trying to figure out like where did we kind of lose grip of everything. And then in the beginning of July, uh, my dad had started telling me that there's this doctor who helped him back in the day. I should go to him. He's along uh, Kiambu Road. And I just kept on stalling. Then one afternoon, I was like, ah, damn, let's just go. I went to the guy and he told me what I thought I knew, but I didn't have evidence. So... I kind of like shoved it to the side. He sat me down. He's this old guy. And he told me, he said, your dad went through depression. Your dad went through depression for like a year and something. And if it wasn't for him talking to me, I don't think things would have been the same till today. My dad had a phase during that one year that he talked about where he'd drink silly. And he, he drank one day until he fell into the bathtub and couldn't get himself out. And that's after an accident he'd had fractured his collarbone, hand, leg, injured his spine. And this is a guy who fell into the bathtub drunk at night and I had to get him out. So this doctor took out a, a note, a notepad, and wrote an address, a name, and a phone number. And he told me, be there by 9 a.m. Fine. He gave it to me. And then he stapled it. He folded the paper in half and stapled it. And he said, when you get there, give it to that doctor. He's the one who's going to open the staple. This guy is so smart. He had, I've never seen colored staples before. So where the hell am I going to buy colored staples from? (laughs) (laughs) This guy stapled it with a colored staple. And I got to the doctor. And I was like, here, I was told to give it to you. Call him. So yeah. Um, uh, that's Chiromo Hospital. I asked my brother to take me to drive me there, and he took me. But the night before, eh, the night before, I drank and I chewed and I drank and I chewed until the sun came up. I was like, okay, fine. This is the last time we're doing this. And I went hard. <laughs> so my bro took me. I'm hungover.
0: Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Wasn't that just such a powerful story by Captain Rashura? And that's only part one. And I just really appreciate how open and vulnerable he was willing to be with us i feel like many more african men are reaching out to share their stories which is wonderful i really love that i think for so long the patriarchy has denied men their humanity and so it's great to see you owning your stories and even the vulnerable chapters of those stories yeah and i and i hope you could pick something out of out of this out of his story you know it's it's so interesting because I was having dinner with friends last week and, you know, we were talking about relationships. Most of the times we talk about, you know, the things other people do wrong. If you're a straight woman, you're talking about, you know, I'm looking for a man who does this or I want to stay to this toxic man or whatever. And I was like, you know, what's interesting through therapy, I've also learned how selfish I've been in relationships And one of the things was that when we talk about patriarchy, we didn't grow up in a vacuum as much as like we are awakened and we know what needs to change. But for years, we've been conditioned into this system that undermines women, but also in its own way, undermines men as well. And so you have to be very intentional in unlearning the unattainable, negative expectations that are set for men and I learned that for a bit I wasn't intentionally unlearning which meant I was very selfish in some relationships and not really consciously emotionally supportive of my partner and so you know now it's never too late to unlearn by the way now I'm just like <gasps> Oh my goodness. And yeah, just always remember, you you grew up in a system that upheld certain things. You didn't grow up in a vacuum. So you have to intentionally check yourself and intentionally unlearn. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does. Anyway, next week, Captain will share his experience in a mental health institution, and he shares so many learning points in next week's episode. I really can't wait for you to hear it. However, if you want to share your story as well, all you have to do is fill out the storyteller form. A link to it is in the show notes. And we will get back to you. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. If you're African, we want to hear your story. So get to filling. And catch this podcast playing on Trace FM here in Nairobi. Just head over to traceradio.co.ke. We're there on Mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. Fridays at 1 p.m. If you prefer to stream your podcast, no prob. Catch this podcast on Spotify and everywhere else you can catch podcasts. So on i'm gonna head out and start a writing session for a poetry collection i'm working on so i'm super excited about that but as usual i'm sending you tons of grace peace love and just hugs i feel like there's a lot of like hard things we're experiencing in life and so i just want the space to be like your one gentle corner you know what i mean so yeah grace love peace and like a big bear hug from me